0: Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit their people here. Light man Hamlet, the shot is
1: out. Hawks win!
0: Hawks win! 12 seconds into overtime! Marty Hamlet! Falling back, so will it drive. Skip the front, score! Taves! It's an empty score! It's an it! score! It's an empty score! It! The Hawks win it's the Stanley, Stanley Cup! The Hawks win the Stanley Cup! And here comes Zebra for the jump. He's done!
1: Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Dave Melton. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Dave Melton and usually tweeting a bunch of nonsense from our main account that is at 2ND City Hockey and I've got my usual line mates with me this evening. Up first it is at Shepard Price on Twitter, and he's the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price.
0: Hi, I have uh, as many uh, goals in the playoffs as the Vegas Golden Knights as a team through f- the first game of the season. Well, um, we'll, we'll On 45 fewer shots. So talk we'll about see. efficiency.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I feel like Cam Talbot is like not Patrick Waugh. So I think they should no. put some goals on him.
0: But he's kind of Anton Kudobin.
1: That's not that much of a compliment, though.
0: <laughs> well, against Vegas, it is because if you look at what Vegas, what Kudobin did in that Dallas series right. last year,
1: he he is their kryptonite. I guess is what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should we should just get us out in advance that as we're as this podcast recording goes on, the Vegas Golden Knights game is starting. Shepherds uh, covers them for KnightsOnIce.com, uh, which is a great website. So if you hear any random spurts of joy or whatever, it's probably something that happened in the Vegas game.
0: I will try and mute myself when those of spurts <laughs> nah, of joy happen. But. Don't
1: worry about it. No one's listening it anyway. <laughs> also with us this evening, he is to Second City Hockey. What Justin Pierre is the Motion City soundtrack. And you can find him on Twitter at Mill182. It is Mil Savage.
2: Nights on Ice sounds like a nice drink.
1: It does, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's fancy.
1: Try to think of what's in Nights on Ice. Probably Goldschlager. Because of I mean, the
2: Golden Knights yeah well, you gotta enjoy like it's got to be a drink that helps you enjoy they're fun to watch so it's nothing like we're drinking during the season
0: mm. it's like a strawberry <laughs> lemonade with gold slugger like okay. it tastes good it tastes good with flexi golden. I tell it. you
1: what uh, re- report back next week Shepard. let us know how it's that the goes.
0: reverse retro drink
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right and, 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 is- and you've heard from two of the three other people with us this evening and uh The rest of the cast is also here. She is the Second City Hockey bull and wall of text. She is not on Twitter, but you can find all of her stuff at secondcityhockey.com under the username LBR. It is Betsy.
3: Somebody tried to invite me to a Braves game, I think for tonight. It might have been for tomorrow. And they were like, oh, it'll be such a good, like, oh, we'll see each other for the first time in forever. We'll get a good group of friends together. And I immediately was like, Do you even know me? Did you, like, forget who I was during this whole, like, shutdown thing? I don't do baseball. Um, And I know all of you guys, like, at least Dave, you're really into baseball and uh, Mill is, so. I mean, it's
1: it's an excuse to go drink outside on a weeknight on what's usually a nice evening. It's just an outdoor bar with a baseball game in the middle of it.
2: Here's the thing, Betsy, you got to learn the unwritten rules and then you'll enjoy baseball. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> Don't fucking start.
0: <laughs> the un unri- the unwritten rules that you can't take a forty seven mile per hour pitch yard. That would have <laughs> been like <if> a. <laughs> that would have been me throwing a pitch. I his nickname is La Tortuga for a reason. Let's he can't go. Pitch. He cannot pitch. Do Beautiful. you guys He's a
3: position not, player? Do you guys have <laughs> no. like breweries or like places where you can go and drink in the afternoon anyway without needing well, the watching a boring sport?
1: Well, I mean. Yeah, I like those places too, but like having there's no there's no such thing as a bad option for a place to go drink outside in the summer.
2: You you know how you like look like when you're watching a game, you're like thinking analytics as well for hockey, like you know stuff yeah baseball gets to that point at a certain point and you're just a total nerd and it's like we've all i'm sure
1: the three of us have all been well, off a cliff with it for that's a while what
3: I, I, my dad was like
1: so. i am not i i I've, i understand the the analytics exist in baseball but i also know that they're they've gone so far ahead of me and i don't know if i'll ever catch up that i've kind of just given up on being able to understand a lot of the deep stats so um so no i i i I understand like the base most of the basic concepts of it, but you know the unwritten rules. Oh, you fuck the unwritten rule! I'm hey, but you played right a little bit, like little league. uh, I mean, even age of twelve. Well, even if you (laughs) played
2: for four or five years, you still there's like a connection to the game if you're into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it was like that was like the childhood sport. We did play that a lot in our neighborhood, but once the pitches started moving, I decided I was done.
2: Guys that I played against are in the pros now and like they all crushed me, but they were still fun to play with. Zach Please Plesak's one of them. And then I think I played with some of those Andrean kids against them and travel.
1: Oh, um, there was that Andrean, uh, there was a picture. Manaya was oh, one of them. Broken up by a guy who went to the same high school as him.
2: Yeah, I got to look into like, because it's so long ago, but uh Zach was awesome, even at like ten.
1: <laughs> and there was also a, a kid who grew up across the street from me that was about ten years younger than me. That was a first round draft pick of the Dodgers last year. So, uh, so, so what we're saying is I'm I'm not the coolest kid on the block by a mile. Wouldn't be me. <laughs> um, but anyway, you guys want to talk about some Blackhawks hockey? Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't all jump at once. Certainly. <laughs> so um, we're here. Season's over, but you know there's other hockey going on so we figured while we had some time we wanted to kind of reflect a little bit on everything that's happened with the blackhawks for the last four to five months Um, going to do a two-part series we're going to start with the fords tonight and then next week's episode we're going to dive into the defensemen and the goalies uh to kind of break it up and just kind of do a little season recap and uh focus on kind of the present not as much of the future, but more the present and past and kind of just share what we learned about some of the guys on the team this season. Now with the Blackhawks Fords, there are a lot of, there's a few guys here that there's really not much intrigue about. I mean, Patrick Kane is still Patrick Kane. I don't think there's really anything to, not too much to add there. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Jonathan Taves was, uh, we just hope he comes back healthy next season. That's about all I got for him. Yep. And then the name, the place where I wanted to start is Kirby Doc. Now, I haven't had a chance to do all this research yet, so I'm kind of flying blind. Hopefully, this is going to be put together for an article you might see at secondcityhockey.com later this week. But Kirby Doc had uh, the storyline everybody knows at this point. Uh, broke his wrist back in December playing in the pre-tournament world juniors game, whether or not you thought he should be there. It's another debate and I'm already sick of it. So let's not get down that road, but he came back. He did play 18 games and he did not quite look as good as he did at the end of his rookie season. And then we found out um, he had like scar tissue developed in his wrist. So they sat him out the last three or four games. So I I, I can't sit here and tell you that I'm underwhelmed by anything that Kirby doc did because It sounded like he was playing hurt the whole season, even in the limited schedule that he had, but I'm just, I don't know what the right word is for it, but I just, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that the guy that was a number three pick for the Hawks two years ago, essentially lost um, basically an entire season that really, that that's not sitting well with me. And so I just throw that statement out to the panel and see what everyone thinks about that.
0: There were people before the season, like Ryan Lambert of EP Ringside, who said, like, don't put any too much emphasis on anything that happens in this weird season. Fair. Um, That's fair. I think that's especially the case with Kirby Doc. Um, Especially, again, he had a wrist injury. He probably had a wrist injury and played through pain, judging by the fact that, again, he was pulled for the last four games.
1: Well, and he said Um, – at some point he said, like, it was still bothering him and it was was still hurting. Like, I don't think it was – like – I don't want to say like they, they, he shouldn't have been out there because it sounds like it was just the pain he has to deal with as it finishes healing, but
0: yeah, yeah he
1: wasn't himself
0: clearly, right? And they didn't play him a ton with the full line of Doc of Debrincat and Kane that like they should have. Um, but they'll probably play him full season next year with just he's a player that like just don't take. Anything that happened this this season too seriously and just put a lot of emphasis on what happens next season and just hope that he gets a full recovery this offseason.
3: Yeah, and I'll use an example of, um, uh, I'm going to probably butcher his name, but Couturier from the Flyers. Oh,
1: Sean Couturier?
3: Yeah. I always, I'm really bad with French names. <laughs> I'm like, I can spell it very well, but I can't pronounce it. So he he's a pretty good example because he actually got injured in his second year too. Mm -hmm. Um, and it took him like five seasons before he was really racking up his points pretty well. And they continued to play him between the second and third line. And then he just broke out in his like seventh season. That's when he went like almost a point per game and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know if Doc's going to take that long or whatever, but there were people in the Flyers fandom that wanted Couturier to be like launched into the sun that they thought he was a wasted draft pick and all this other stuff. And he wasn't even, he was like the eighth overall pick, you know? So he doesn't have even quite as much um like weight on him for being a top three pick. But I think you just have to like realize that we saw a small sliver of what maybe he could be against Vegas. And he did, mm-hmm. like, I thought he was maybe the best forward against Vegas. Um And then you just have to like, be patient because if we're in a situation that was like the flyers and they got rid of Couturier before he became who he is, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you be so sad? Like, wouldn't it be just like, it would be like a kick in the pants. So that's what I, am always like, that's the, that's the example that you come back to over and over again and don't give up on a player or don't put too much emphasis like Shepard's saying on an injury season.
1: I guess my concern with, and And I I like your point about Couturier because I like the guy I've always been coming back to is Nathan McKinnon because he had a weird start. And then now he's become this thing that terrifies me that the Hawks are going to have to face them six or seven times next season. But Couturier is more of a two way forward. Like he won a Selkie. And I don't think Kirby Dock necessarily projects as that. So that's why if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, that's why a wrist and the wrist injury in general just kind of scares me. I know he's young and and young bones heal better and all that. But for a guy that's offense is supposed to be his calling card, doesn't the fact that he had a big wrist injury, does that worry you at all? I
3: don't know. Kane was better, arguably, after his wrist surgery.
0: Yeah. And, and Couturier does put up a lot of offensive points. And to be fair, Doc played penalty kill throughout all of last postseason. And I think he played some penalty kill at the, during this season too.
3: Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think um, Couturier was put in a third line role pre, pre um, draft. He was considered a high offense with good defensive responsibilities. His draft scouting report probably isn't that dissimilar from docs, if you want to know the truth, because he was always considered strong defensively, just something he could continue to round out. And then he's been used in defensive situations now in the NHL. He's not, I don't, I don't know if at the exact same age, he's the same way, because again, I, Couturier was used in a almost checking line role for the first little while. Um, So, I don't know if he'll, I'm not saying he'll project as good as that. I'm just saying that if you get like, if we give up on or have doubts in a player that's very young who went through an injury, we should just like maybe hold on that. Their legitimate (laughs) concerns just maybe don't let them like linger in your brain for too long.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the, the way I'm at just kind of just an eyebrow raised and. I think what, what Doc should do is just have a breakout season next season, and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. That'll make everything great for all of us. Um, Mill, any any thoughts to add on uh, Kirby Doc?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. So, like, obviously a wrist injury is not, like, it's not something you want to happen to a forward who, one of his best assets is his hands. Um, it's not that it can't heal. He's young, but um, I, think, I think he was playing through pain, like Shepard said, and Uh, that probably hindered him a little bit because going before the injury, if you look back, he's good. You know, his forehand's good. His backhand's good. Uh, He could play short side. Uh, He's really good in the slot and between the dots and and making passes and taking shots close in. But when you don't have that wrist, it's like all that awareness isn't going to help you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and also too, I actually don't really think that he needs to play with Kane because Doc is a playmaker and he's might not touch the puck very much playing with Kane.
1: Yeah. I I, and I I guess the comp for uh, for Doc was always Ryan Getzlaff, which I hate because I don't particularly care for Ryan Getzlaff, but <laughs> skill set of more of playmaker than scorer. So yeah. Having, eh, that's
2: because he's big and he shoots right handed yeah, though.
1: Have, yeah, better hairline for hopefully for Doc's sake at least. But um like the the idea of having two playmakers on the same line, like it's not ideal, I guess. Like you can put Kane into Brain Debring- It's not yeah, it's not
0: horrible either when the other yeah. guy is to bring cat though
1: true yeah yeah i mean having two playmakers and the snipers but in, that that's when you get back into the debate from like the the peak of the taves Kane years where do you put taves and Kane on the same line or do you break them up to make it so a team has to guard two lines
3: yeah i going to say i don't think so whenever you look at like roster constructions two playmakers technically can play together pretty well and cane's often will shoot more if he's on a line with a playmaker he shot more when strome was on his line for example than when um some other like pretty much anybody else um was on his line like last year except for doc so uh kane can technically balance that out and he's fine you know um but the the situation you get into then is well you want to split up your playmakers so you don't have them all loaded up on one line. The Blackhawks just don't have a lot of playmakers. They literally only have like three. Um, and it's Kane, uh, Strom, and Doc. And Debrinkit got way better. I think he could end up being a playmaker, but he's not quite at that level yet. And Kubelik took took steps forward and stuff like that. But the only reason you wouldn't play them together to me is because you need more playmakers in other lines, less about two playmakers being together.
2: I think, I think that's fair because, too, the other thing, if Kane and DeBrinckit are on the ice, this is where the, the Hawks' offense really kind of didn't let Doc showcase his, his skill set is they, they're so one and done and they play on the rush. But if Doc can kind of get you know, in front of the net a little bit, he wins a lot of those puck scrambles and he's able to, to put the puck in the back of the net either off a rebound or deflect the pass. He's quick with his stick, but you know, they don't do that because they're, they're on the rush all the time.
3: Yeah, they don't cycle.
2: So if they yeah, exactly if they could set up I think that would benefit Kirby Doc a little bit also give him a full year with a consistent line.
0: Yeah, that's something uh, that that the Blackhawks haven't done a lot with, especially with their young forwards, is consistent lines. They uh, the blenders kind of been full, active full time this season.
1: Yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that that's another thing we can we can get to down the road um, when when we have the airing of grievances episode. That's. I'm sure it's lurking. Uh if if in case Shepard didn't finish unloading the chamber in the article, you may have seen the it it, second today. And I the, I just want to head coach. I
2: want to throw this out too, because I'm not gonna make it about the coach, but if you go back to like the earlier years for like Taves and Kane, they really did play with consistent lines throughout the year. And when they got blended up, it was usually as a some kind of in-game adjustment or in the playoffs. Um, but you know, those young guys do need those reps. So yeah. I'd like to see that.
1: Yeah. Um, but we got plenty of other players to get to, so I want to move down the roster a little bit more to a name that I heard Betsy say, uh, and that's Dylan Strom. Um, because the, of all the players who are under contract for next season, I think his future seems the murkiest just by uh, virtue of him getting scratched a few times down the end of the season. And then he also, in his exit interviews, As we talked about last week, he said he was pissed off about that, which he has every right to be. But I also imagine there might be somebody in the Blackhawks front office that didn't appreciate the fact that he said that out loud. So I don't know. I I do not have a feeling. I don't feel like Dylan Shrum's on this team next season. I don't know where you guys sit on that, but um, I feel I know he's under contract, but I feel like he's going to get traded at some point. Where do you guys sit on this?
2: I mean, what are you going to trade him for? Like, unless Joe Sackick's able to send you some garbage back and make well, him into a great Hawks, center.
1: If the Hawks trade anyone to Colorado again, I, I'm terrified of what the return is.
2: That's what I'm saying is, like, unless it's something like that. I mean, I like Dylan Strome. I think there's still place for him. But, like, I just don't know what they could trade for him right now.
1: That's – yeah. That his value has never been lower. That is fair.
2: Butlicker, his value has never been lower. God.
1: Uh, Shepard Betsy, do you have any other thoughts on – stromer
0: i i like dylan strom's play he's a he's a good both ways center um he's a decent wing uh it's it it seems like they didn't find his fit here Um, his skating didn't improve as much as like the Brink cats skating which was the big concern when he was drafted the Brinkat skating is not a concern anymore um strom's skating still seems to be a little bit on the slow side um yeah don't there's been talk of, like, the Blackhawks exposing him to the expansion draft. Don't get rid of him for free. Get an asset yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. But besides, besides that, like, I, this, this organization's going to try out Borgstrom. They're going to try out a ton of players over Strom next season.
3: I just, I still, I think we, I talked about this before. I still just don't like the whole, they flip first-round picks so easily. former first-round picks so easy. Like and we bring them in and then spit them back out, and none of them stick. Um, I didn't even. I brought up Zadorov last time, and Mata and KK. I didn't even get into Panic. Was there? You know, like <laughs> right? Panic. How have you say his freaking name? Panic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> panic at the ice rink. Um, and none of them stick. And Strome is one of the best ones that they pulled in, and. I feel like he's going to go to another team and be put in a good situation and it's going to work. Um, I don't know what that, I don't know if that situation is with the Hawks going forward. I just know that for a team that doesn't have good passing and Strome was technically the most efficient with high danger passes on the team, he beat out even Kane. Um, like, come on like you should keep those types of players like mm-hmm. you should try to find out where they can work better and i i again like i said in the last podcast i thought the situation was terrible for him because he's not a one or two c and taves and doc being out forced him to try to do something he wasn't um and he just he didn't he didn't step up to it which i don't think anybody should have expected him to. So I, I think he's going to be a very good three C on um, like an offensive center on a three C uh three third line, or he could even be a two C depending on how good a one C three C is on a team. I just, I hate that they're probably going to give him up for not a whole lot. And then they're going to bring in Borgstrom who is in the similar situation that Strom was in. He is uber talented, has good hands, has issues with skating, um, couldn't click even in the HL. And, you know, it's like you're just starting over again. It's Strom
1: 2.0. And I, I don't want to make it sound like I want him to be traded because I, I there's offensive talent there and it's looked good at times and I just I, – I'm always reluctant to get rid of players that have that because offensive talent is something that is not as widespread in the league as – as you might think like it's, it's pl- people who can legitimately make scoring chances out of nothing like Strom sometimes can. And the way he sees the game and some of the passes he makes uh, is a, it's a skill set that is not uh, prevalent. So I, I would be, you, I would want to be damn sure that he's not going to be anything before you trade him away. I think he like, not exactly the same boat as doc, but I feel like if you bring him back next, bring him back next season and like tell him like make or break season, either you're good this season or we're trading your ass at the deadline. or or beforehand. And that's, that's, I'd be happy with that. Cause sometimes when guys are in contract years and know they're due for a big raise, sometimes that brings out the best in them.
3: I just don't want it to be a situation where it's like, um, like the reason Vegas was so good so quickly is that there were a lot of underrated players that Vegas was like, these are good players. We're going to take them and put them in a good situation. And they worked Florida's kind of the same way. Um, what's his name starts with a V Carter
1: Verhage, right? Yeah.
3: He's 25 and it took him until that age to mm-hmm. like really get there. And his skill was always obvious. It just never, it wasn't clicking for some reason. And I think Strom shows a similar, th- I don't think he's as good a skater, but I think he's got better hands. So I, it's just, it feels like a waste of an asset and kind of kicking the, like the, the like situation down a little bit more. Like they're going to restart over with a brand new Strom.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the Strom situation reminds me a lot of Sam Bennett who got a restart in Florida and is now their two yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, and he was not, he was knocked all the way down to like their, like the Calgary flames, like fourth line.
3: Yeah. We talk about Bowman loves reclamation projects and I don't think we give enough time to any of them sometimes, you know, like occasionally, I don't know if any of them really needed it, but I think Strom deserves another year where he's not being shoehorned into something that's not good for him. And mostly though, I don't want them to give him up for nothing or very little. That is bad asset management to go from Schmaltz who is a good player all the way down. And then Perlini obviously turned into um, something that could be good, but again, it's still a big ass question mark. So I don't know. The trade tree is starting to get very murky.
2: All right, David Camp's gonna play 25 minutes a night on the top six oh, next yeah, year.
1: Just fucking don't. <laughs> just don't.
2: I'm not if lying. He, if dude. he's not on know, the team I next know year, I'm not, I'm okay with that's that.
1: what I'm worried about.
2: That's the problem. It's like they don't want to Dylan Strom is like like you guys just pointed out clearly, like the best way you could say it. He sh, nobody should expect him to be what he's not just because there's no Taves or Doc.
1: Yeah, and maybe getting the like and Doc back is what, you know, I, I think when you guys said it, you get the other guys back, you properly slot Dylan Strome and good shit happens.
2: Yeah, but it's just like, just because that's the scenario doesn't mean they could say, oh, well, Camp, we'll just put, he's responsible, he could do that job. It's like, no, he can't. Like, it is what it is.
1: <laughs> it's like, it's, it's lack of self-scouting. You have to know, not only do you need to know what the players you are acquiring are capable of doing, you really need to know what the guys you have on your roster. are You would people.
2: think a professional organization would know that. <laughs>
1: <sighs> well, um, we this might end up being a two-parter because we've only talked about three or four guys and we've already <laughs> taken up a good chunk of time, but uh, we're going to take a quick timeout here and we're going to come back on the other side of this timeout. We're going to talk about some more forwards. Um, I don't know who they are and in what order they're going to be, and I feel like we have 96 more guys to get through, but uh come back on the other side of this break and see how many of them we get through.
0: just go to cars.com. It's magical.
1: Welcome back to Musings on Madison, and as promised before the break, we wanted to dive into a few more of the Fords that are on the roster that uh, well that played on the Hawks last season because there were a lot of them. Um, and let's start with Brandon Hagel because I think that this is another guy that's kind of interesting. Um, first off, uh, incredible season came out of nowhere. Did everything. Did everything right, and uh, you know, kudos to him for working his ass off and getting into the NHL and, and having all the success he did. I think the issue with him for me is that I, I was just kind of what we were talking about with camp and Strom about knowing what his limitations are like with Brandon Hagel, I feel like on a good team, he tops out as a third liner and is probably a fourth liner. So I I feel like like this talk like maybe you throw him for a game or two in the top six just to wake somebody up. But I feel like he's a bottom six career guy. Am I like am I mistaken on this?
0: Feels a lot like Paul Byron, Um, just like an analytic darling who, when he figured when he figured out how to score, was really good. Um, Probably a fourth line player, but like a one a really good one that probably plays like probably closer to twelve minutes than like ten.
1: Yeah, but 12, I mean, 12 very important minutes. Like, I, I, mean, yeah. I know I tweeted this at some point during the season. Like, I feel like a line with, I don't care who the center is, but put Hagel and Henestrosa on the outside and let them just forecheck the shit out of whoever they're playing. And they'll force some turnovers.
0: Right. And I think Hagel can play some pretty critical penalty kill minutes too.
1: Yeah. And, he, and another, another guy like Dabrinkit and Dockware, um, the scoring threat would scare the shit out of some defensemen that were running the point.
2: And Hegel's speed is just gives him that that level that you need in this league to to be able to do that. So I'm with you. I think the speed actually maybe makes people think that he is more of a like some people are thinking top six. But you know he's hustles. He's good enough, but he's so fast. He's useful.
1: I don't think he quite has like the scoring touch for top six. I think that's where uh,
2: that's I'm with you. I'm with you. No,
1: like it's like I I I remember making like a joke on I think on Twitter somewhere about like you know if he had hands he'd score like 30 goals a year. And his hands aren't terrible, but they're not, like, top flight. Right. That's the anything else to add?
3: Uh, well, I think he's probably going to be a very good third liner. I think he could be second liner, depending on the other people on the line. Mm-hmm. But I still think he's closer to an Andrew Shaw before he went to Montreal. Because um, Andrew Shaw, like, Is really an kind of Andrew play. Shaw? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just... So if he could, I always keep saying you're right, his hands, if he could figure out what Marshawn learned to do in close a little bit more, he doesn't have to be at that elite level, but if he could just do it at like 50% as good, Um, that that whatever backhand technique that he has that's so, 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 so good in close, I think Hagel would do much better because he does a lot of dirty work in front of the net and he just shoots directly into goalie a lot of the time Um, most of his goals actually came from slightly farther out where he could actually take time to shoot for a second Uh, Um, a lot of those overtime ones were like farther out if he could figure out how to do it in close he could have a lot more goals but I so he's he did like a like he was around what 4.6 points per game um, 0.46 excuse me points per game I don't think it's that unrealistic that he could get up to five which is like the bottom tier for a second line so it just really depends on what line he's in, if he could click ideally, you still put him on a third, but he again could be like Shaw slots down to a fourth line that's like killer, you know Kruger yeah. and um Shaw during two thousand and fifteen they played like thirteen minutes a game and were ridiculous
2: with the jardins
3: yeah. yeah, yeah they were crazy good, and there's no there's no shame in playing on that type of fourth line to me. So he's more of like a Swiss army knife type of player. He's good. That can be com- complimentary to a lot of different types of players.
1: To me. Yeah. I, I think the idea when I talk about him being like a third or fourth liner on a good team is it's not like a slight to Hagel, but it's
0: mm-hmm.
3: like a,
1: it's a team that is good enough to compete, has the four depth that Hagel's down on the third or fourth line. I think that's, that's the idea. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see the Hawks get to ideally. And he
2: models. he is one of those guys where they shuffle the line to have him drive possession, they could put him up with like a Taves and a Kubelik just to try to tilt the ice, but that wouldn't be like a long-term thing.
1: Right, right. Um, so a few other guys, I and mean, we'll start to go a little more rapid fire as we work our way down the line, and there's not as much to say. Um, Dominic Kubelik, I mean, not a one-year wonder, which is good, um, and I, I don't know what else to say about him.
0: He's good. I'd like to see him score more goals and shoot more probably going for the going into next season probably get put back with Taves. Hopefully Taves is healthy. Besides that, like he's yeah, still,
1: I wouldn't, yeah. Taves and Kubalik as a, as a two thirds of a line for, for early next season, for sure. Again, fingers crossed that Taves is
0: back. Yeah. And Kubelik's still really good at driving. To play.
3: Yeah. And I think anytime that you're above 80% of your individual point percentage, you know, you factoring into a point um, or a goal on the ice and he's above that at five on five and he's above that on the power play. So I think anytime that that happens, it means that you are, you are always, you are often the one contributing to, to offense. And Kubelik showed that he could do that even without Taves and he'll be better, hopefully when he's put with him again.
1: In a similar vein as uh Dominic Kubelik, cause he was uh Dominic Kubelik, but a year later, a uh, pew suitor.
0: I, honestly, I hope he, yeah, I hope he gets some colder attention.
1: Uh, I, 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 in other years, maybe I just think the, the, the the class is pretty strong this year feel like he's not going to have much of a chance I mean it's Kaprizov's to lose
0: right oh yeah I'm in like third or fourth or fifth
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay well, yeah he, I, he might get some votes but I I don't think uh
3: yeah I don't think he's gonna get I think he should maybe but I think there were a couple I don't think he's he just didn't get as much attention and um, even when he was the top scorer for the rookies for a little while to start he wasn't really <laughs> getting the love
1: yeah Yeah, because probably because his team wasn't all that good, and he's also you know the not doesn't get the attention when you're on a team with Kane and Devrinkit.
3: Yeah, I was just saying that a lot of people were like, "Oh, he's just feeding off Kane," and it's not like Panarin who was like obviously feeding off Kane too, but also just a spark himself.
1: Right, right. Suter Suter's like he's kind of that tweener where he can play with elite talent, but he and he's not really going to drive a line by himself, but he also isn't going to slow elite talent down.
3: I still maintain I think he would be better on the wing. I think he's good at center, but he really broke out in the other leagues um, when he moved to wing, and I'd love to see that next year just to see if that's a possibility because I think he's got even more offense in him. There
1: you go. Um, Let's see who else we got here. Ooh, Phil Kurashev. I
0: I think me and and LBR's thoughts are sort of just mind-melded at this point. Uh, Really (laughs) good, really good, really good. Give him more time for the love of God.
1: Yeah, I I I will add myself to that list, uh Mill. Uh yeah, what the hell, dude? Like <laughs> we bitched about that all year
2: and like the guy was good. Like he's not like, you know, a superstar, but we like him. We like, you know, he's he's
1: a good player. We yeah, we we like the player. I think what I want him to become is like that like my ideal for him would be like Christopher Stieg, like that mid-tier scoring, like not not going to be your top line guy, like Kane or Taves or whatever, but that second, third line guy that can give you good power play minutes and can produce like 30, 40, 40 or 50 points a year, something like that. Um, Cause I feel like that was like Versteeg was that crucial secondary scoring that you sometimes needed deeper in the season back in the early teens. And I feel like that's what Phil Kurashev can be.
2: Yeah. And he has the hands for that. He can get on his horse and you know, he'll, he'll give you those, you get 15 out of them. That's that's, you know, 15, 20. That's pretty good.
3: And Karishev was by far the best second opportunity player on the Blackhawks. Like he had more shots off the rebound than anyone else by a pretty distant margin, according to um, Corey's tracking data. So, yeah, put him with somebody who can actually put a good rebound, like can do that type of trajectory, like stuff. I think he'll score a lot more, too.
1: That sounds like just that's good hockey instincts. He knows because he knows where to be
2: anywheres we're seeing the second number, so holler.
1: There we go, and it, we've come full circle. Perfect. <laughs> um, we already touched on David Camp a little bit. Um, I believe he's under contract. <laughs> he is not no, under contract. He's, 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 yeah, he's a free agent. Yeah. For, oh. for
2: David Camp?
1: <laughs> yeah, like he's again, he can be very a very good contributor as a fourth line center. He's good in that role, but just and he let him yeah. do it.
2: And his initials and his number are like Donkey Kong sixty four, and we wasted that opportunity.
1: <laughs> well, we can start. Never too late to start, Mel. We can yeah. refer to him as Donkey Kong sixty four for as long as he's on the Hawks, which could I be suppose. two more months or could be like three more years. Who knows? Yeah,
3: I would. I would still want him to be on the Hawks next year if JC yes. wasn't the coach.
0: But <laughs> if if, somebody, it. if it was if it was somebody who played him ten minutes instead of fourteen.
3: Or they can even play him more than that, but like in a Kruger role where he's like, his main job is to flip the ice and get Kane on there. Cause yeah. that's that's what Kruger did. Kruger, the most common line shift between 2013 and 2015 was Kruger to Kane. And there's a reason for that. Kruger-
1: I love that that is a stat that was researched, but that's, I, you're, you're right. I didn't know oh. that someone looked that up, but that, or that, that was a stat.
3: I looked that up. <laughs>
1: okay, well- uh, that's very good. That's very good information to have because I would have never even considered that. But that's a very good. That's a great stat.
3: It was a stat that, like in 2016, somebody asked about something, and then Corsica used to track um, OZ to DZ, like finish, like the transition from one to the other or backwards. And so it was pretty easy to do that. And then ShiftChart.com came out right around then too, so it was actually not that difficult to track. But yes. That was the point of Kruger, and I think Camp could do that, too, and it's just not being used that way.
2: Camp's going to Florida, and he's going to slay on the fourth line. (laughs) Yeah, that's – We like charts, though.
3: I mean, Q used Camp that way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: While we're on the topic of Florida, let's talk about Vinny Henestrosa real quick. Um, I'm down for a – he's an unrestricted free agent, but I'm down for like a one-year, one million, maybe one-and-a-half contract. show me contract. Huh?
3: a show me contract.
1: Yeah. One year. Like if you can do that again, maybe we'll talk two or three years and maybe a little bit more cash, but the player that he was the final month of the season after he returned to Chicago was like the, I, I, maybe not the idealized version, but pretty damn close to it of what he can be. So I'm, I'm in the category of certainly worth another look because when they acquired him, I, I rolled my eyes. And then after a month, like, all right, maybe, maybe they have something here.
0: Yeah, he was an yeah. ass kicker when he came back. Yeah, I would like him to be the first free agent Bowman negotiated with, but that's not the case right now.
3: <laughs> I'm okay with them waiting until after the expansion draft and having like a handshake deal in place. Yeah, they if, have if the they
0: plan. have a handshake deal in place now, it'd be good. But like, I don't know if that's the case.
3: I don't either. And I know that they, they said that they're still waiting on stuff, but I feel like yeah, you can't just, you got to hope that that could be um, repeatable. You know, he had he cut chemistry with like three or four different players and clicked mm-hmm. very well. So that doesn't come around often. So maybe see if it works again. Fourth and he can
2: move. So yeah. give me a fourth
1: yeah. line of Kruger or Kruger, Camp, Hennestrosa, and Hagel to start next season. And they're gonna be like,
2: burning Camp though.
1: That, that well, that, like you no, know, it's more it's more of a defensive thing. Well, I don't know, maybe you get a better center and give him a little bit more of an offensive look. But that that was my thought that that start with that fourth line and uh go go for everywhere else Uh, speaking of fourth lines uh ryan carpenter he's under contract next season for a million i assume he's going to be back um he's fine i don't i don't hate him
3: he's there
2: he can Uh, be used in the camp role and he has better hands he's not as good as camp defensively but he's you know he could play center he's a decent penalty killer
1: yeah yeah he's good on the penalty kill yeah um so i mean another guy that's he is what he is. He's a fourth liner. And he's, he's a decent one. And I feel like he's a guy that he's under contract through next season. And after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. And I feel like he probably gets replaced by somebody who's 22 or
0: 23. Right. He was 22.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. The
2: This isn't ESPN. You can't mute me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mac, Mac Ant-whistle's coming
1: for his job. There you go. Yeah, that's sure. That's okay. I'll take it. Yeah, that's that's what you want. You want young players to displace the uh, the aging veterans who are on expiring contracts. Um, one guy, uh, another name here that I find interesting because of his story is Adam Gaudet. Um, wasn't didn't really do a ton in his month with the team, but that story about he had. Some sort of stomach digestive issues or something that he, and he could never keep weight on during the season, and somehow he figured it out, and it's not a problem anymore, and he flashed a few times that like that alone is enough where I'm like, maybe
3: <laughs> it was like intriguing,
1: yeah, yeah, I again no, another eyebrow raised like maybe they got something and and if they don't you you bring are you bring him back on a cheap deal, and if not, you bury him in Rockford or trade him or whatever. I guess I, I, I just what would you say?
3: I said I guess I just don't I don't I mean I guess there's a possibility that that is the reason he has never been good but
1: yeah because I remember yeah. him in college while he was in college the knock on Dylan Sakura was that Sakura was just riding the coattails of Adam Gaudet and that's why Sakura was everything he was
0: so that, yeah that- the way the way he and uh, um, Sakura and other guys lit it up in college and then did not do anything in the NHL uh really really hope that you don't you don't think that's not the case with Landon Slagger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I get
3: that. And Barrett. I yeah, hope
1: yeah, I still have high hopes for Evan Barrett. Um I don't have any like justification or reason for it, but I just um I like I've, I've uh, some somewhere along the line someone threw in like a Dave Boland comp and I'm like all right, that's my guy. <laughs> so, uh I have no I have no uh, inside knowledge or or information related to that. I just there you go, Evan Barrett for uh, Evan Barrett for the Selkie, and he's not even in the NHL yet. Um, see, uh, we've covered a lot. Uh, got got through most names. Uh, Mike Hardman, I, I don't. Know. Yeah, eighty six off that guy's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, how dare he? How
1: like, dare come he? on,
2: <laughs> table's about to go on some cup run, bro.
1: Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I got I I got nothing on Mike Hardman. I mean, he's he, fine. He,
3: Yeah, there's the sample was too small. He only played in eight games. He did shoot at like 20 percent. So even though he scored a little bit, 20 percent at five on five, even though he he scored a little bit. He scored.
1: He got he got one goal on five. Yeah. One goal on five shots. So that's a Efficient.
3: You know, it's one thing.
1: You should be efficient.
3: um, He got like how many other assists did he get? Did he get like three?
1: Two assists.
3: Yeah, so you got three points total, which isn't bad in eight games for a lower line forward. And he was, wasn't was even played 11 minutes. So that's not...
2: Well, we're going to get drilled in the comments for not talking about how he had like seven hits in six minutes or whatever. No, so
3: I will say that his hitting wasn't inefficient. Um, if you noticed, he often disrupted plays and would make the other player cough up the puck in a way that was productive, a.k.a. Uh, the Hawks sometimes got possession it wasn't no a- yeah and that's good
2: but a lot of times that goes away after a guy makes the team yeah
3: exactly it's like is that gonna be a standard who knows it was eight games you it's like he was busting
2: his ass because he won't you know good for him but you know what i mean
3: yeah but
1: yeah. just let it be stated on the record like none of us are against playing a physical style of hockey but you need to do it in a way that's productive to being good at hockey yeah yes. be consistent the- skating three miles to hit a guy doesn't always do the thing
0: yeah. Right, look at how Andrew Shaw played physically versus how yes. <clears throat> Nikita Zadorov is physically. <laughs> well,
1: um, I figured that's where we were for,
0: going. For
2: what it's worth, like Andrew Shaw physically in the non-highlight real ones, because some of his memorable ones are pretty ridiculous.
3: Yes, yeah. <laughs> the perfect example that I always come back to where I'm like, where I'm talking about hit efficiency is the Dave Boland hit Bolin. on the player it, who coughed the puck up to Seabrook's overtime yeah. winner against
1: Detroit. Not, wasn't it Nyquist? Yeah.
3: Yeah, he it was no right on
1: the, moves.
2: yeah, uh-huh. it was on that, it was on that right wing board and Dave Boland did that on like nine playoff goals over time. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh-huh. I mean, Boland was so, so good at it. And sometimes it was just a hard check and it wasn't a full hit, but like he was so efficient at it. Shaw was really good at it. And neither one of those guys were huge. Like Dave Boland would be considered kind of big now, but at the time was smaller. Um, you don't have to be big. You don't have to be like huge hits. You just have to be smart. When you yeah, knock him. your
2: guy off the puck.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm going down the list, and we've got pretty much everyone that's uh, a, a forward on this team. Um,
3: you I, didn't go over the famous Brett Connolly. Yeah,
1: uh, I got <laughs> – I mean, it seems like he's expansion draft fodder for this team. <laughs> I don't well, – Like, like the,
2: I said, we're the same age, and he looks like he's 50.
1: <laughs> the way The way they talked about him when they acquired him had me a little bit worried that, like, they think they're going to – tap into something that doesn't exist. I mean, he's 29 years old and he's been in the league for quite a while. So they uh, gave him Sad's number right away. <laughs> was like, that was weird. You, know, you just want to retire. Everybody's number. no, I
2: don't want to retire it, but give the guy some respect. Like he just left. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: the only number I'm pissed off. that's not retired is 28.
3: Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I hope he, he's the guy that I'm worried that he's going to take ice time away in the future from a younger player that has a higher ceiling because uh, Connolly just – he's a shrug-of-the-shoulders player and he's making $3 million a year, which with a team that is – or three and a half, excuse me, uh, a team that's oh, yeah. as up against the cap as the Hawks are, uh, you need – a guy that's getting $3.5 million probably needs to do more than he does.
3: He's Zach Smith 2.0.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm if with Vez you guys. Smith it's wasn't like, getting three and a half. I don't believe.
3: Uh, you know? Smith's uh, was three two five. Oh,
1: okay, so he wasn't getting three and a half. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, three two there five. You
2: go. No, I'm with you guys. Like, don't let those, those. you know nothing against him, but don't let him take away time from again Phil Kurishov.
3: Right. <laughs> um. Which, to be fair, I think he was playing mostly fourth line minutes at the end, so he wasn't yeah. really playing over kids.
2: Uh, yeah, but-, but that could
1: change. <laughs> <laughs> the only uh the only name I think I'm missing here that we haven't talked about yet is uh and we actually did mention him briefly is Mackenzie Antwistle. and Yeah,
3: I liked what I saw from him.
1: You you and you mentioned it, Betsy, and like the one he had a game where he pulled away for a breakaway that and it was kind of like, Oh, I didn't know he could do that. And apparently he's been working oh, yeah. diligently on his skating.
3: Yeah, when he got traded, there were a bunch of like a bunch of Arizona people were like oh, well, his skating's not great. And then I was reading comments of people being like, yeah, but he's been trying, he went to like a specialist, like somebody who just focused on skating like prior to that season and has been doing that constantly for a few years now. And that seems to be his main focus in the off season, which I think is smart because he's got okay hands. I don't think he's got like elite hands, but, and he, but he's smart. Like he seems to read the ice very well. And if you can skate, pretty well read the ice well you can at least be an effective player mm-hmm. that could top out far because i always assumed he'd be like fourth liner but maybe he could be a third liner maybe he could be a hagel like hagel-esque fourth like third liner that like does pretty well in that role
1: and if he uh and if he makes it with a team he allows us to make a lot more references to the who so <laughs> so consider me a big fan um but yeah i'm i'm intrigued that's another guy that uh another one of the young guys I'm very intrigued to see what happens with them next season. Um, and speaking of guys for next season, uh, this guy didn't play this season, but I, I, I assume he's going to be back. So we might as well just briefly touch on him. Uh, hey guys, remember Alex Nylander?
0: I was going to say, uh, <laughs> where does he play? He's, oh, he's got, where, like, a, I, who's, I imagine. Yeah, he has who's, who's a spot. Lineup spot, yeah. Whose lineup spot does he take? Where does he play? I don't see it, it sounds- happening.
1: I I don't either (laughs) Shepard, but I I just assume that because they traded Yokohari for him, he will be back next season and they will try to find a spot
0: for him. Yeah. But I mean, Yokohari hasn't become much of anything in Buffalo.
1: I know, but, but I mean, you still traded a former first round pick for him. So I, I, I just assume he's going to get a low, uh, he'll get his uh, restricted free agent tender qualifying offer and he will sign it because I don't think he has leverage to go anywhere else. And they'll bring him to camp and they'll try. And if he sucks, They probably will. I I feel like he's not going to have too many chances to prove himself because there's a lot of guys that showed I there's a lot of guys that showed a lot more than Nylander did in his brief playing time. So and now he's coming off an injury. So who knows how that's affecting him?
2: Garbage sons always have a job somewhere. Um, You know, it's funny. Like I wrote that Blackhawks bit piece on like a weekday with nothing going on about Neilander skating, and I'm like, ah, nobody's gonna read this. And I came back an hour later, and there's like a (laughs) hundred heated ass comments on it. I was like, what is going on
0: here?
3: If Uh, nothing else, Second City Hockey loves to be like the white knight to certain players that they feel get piled onto. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I like. I, I think he could still be good. Um, he's only 23. He literally just turned 23, like, in March.
1: Yeah, that's so likes to break it. To 23.
3: He's still so young. I just, his, if he could just figure out how to put it together, his skating is great. He's got good vision. His hands are really good. He is a playmaker, and they need more of those. You yeah. just, just not- can't put it together in a package consistently so far, but...
1: Yeah, and I, I feel I, I feel like um, the the whole wait, waiting for him to put it together has been kind of the theme of his career. So, um,
3: I mean, Probably. to be fair, last year was uh, his first real season. I hate to say that. To be fair, let's all say it together. To be
2: fair. <laughs> I mean, okay, but then you're gonna apply that to like what Adam that too. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, yeah, but
2: Goddett's had chances. Yeah,
3: Goddett's <laughs> and- had. Isn't he on like his fourth or fifth season? Like,
0: yeah,
3: is he? I thought he played. And-
0: and he didn't, and, he, and his chances weren't in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Buffalo doesn't count, right? Uh, By the way, I mean, nice Vancouver's reference. Vancouver's been
1: pretty bad, but Gardet played. Uh,
3: he had two <laughs> fifty-plus seasons, and yeah. then thirty-three last year, or thirty-three earlier with Vancouver. So, like, okay, no,
2: well, two, Nikita Zadorov's in year eight, and people tell me he's young, so I don't know.
1: Like one yeah. in a couple halves for Gardet. So, and, and yeah. I think I think Nylander is in the like in the ultimate, like put up or shut up time.
3: Yeah. Sure. I can get that, but I think some of that has to do with his draft position. And if we could sometimes just disconnect draft positions from players or contracts from players and see if they're still useful or can they be useful and kind of just think about them as the player, maybe that would be more helpful Um, because I still think he could probably be a good Second or third line player. I think, again, I think the draft position hurts Strome too. People are like, well, he's a bust because he was a former third overall. And it's like, but if he can be a really effective third liner, who cares where yeah. he was drafted? Sucks for the team that drafted him at three, but the Blackhawks didn't. So who cares?
1: There we go. Um, all right, I I don't think I'm missing anyone. I think we actually got through everyone. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I really thought uh, we were gonna we were gonna be here a while uh, talking about other guys into a second edition or something. But um, yeah, I think that's gonna wrap up the Blackhawks portion of this podcast. Unless there's somebody we missed or anyone has any final thoughts.
2: We didn't talk about Brandon Peary or oh, Reese Johnson. Oh my God, I
3: forgot Peary was. I talking. forgot
1: about Brandon Peary. I Thank
3: forgot yeah. he existed.
2: Uh, and and no John forget- Quinville about wow, reese johnson uh what exactly is a reese johnson never mind. anybody there were never so mind. many
3: there are people in the comments that are like why didn't they give him more time and i was like i don't even f- remember the time that he was here so what did you see in him he yeah, drove
2: somebody into the glass that's why they said that
0: uh, he played <laughs> yeah he's, he's a, a, a less talented mike hardman i think
1: oh god that's not nice
2: <laughs> i think he's like what was that one guy uh oh god uh man or whatever that Brandon guy. Machinter?
1: Machinter. yeah <laughs> i think that's like reese johnson's one of them oh i don't think he's that big uh, he's not as and like machinter like beat the shit out of some people in some fights if i remember correctly either at the nhl or hl level i don't think reese johnson reese johnson's only 6'1 193 machinter i felt was like huge but. Probably I don't remember. Mishter was six four play. two twelve. So uh, <laughs> guys
2: who can't play and don't get enough time to annoy me, I don't remember.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. So Reese, jo- uh, Reese Johnson. Uh, I I got I got nothing. Perfect. Sorry. Sorry to all the Reese Johnson fans out there. Um. Yeah, our condolences. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. So there we go. Uh. So now, as we always do every week, uh, it's food take time. So I believe. Betsy, it's your turn.
3: Yes, All and I—I right. I don't know if you guys have done this because mine's a mine's a beverage take, which i you know, obviously we can do, but mine is soda take. And wait, what
1: now? A soda, soda? take. We don't what, say that. What, here. What's soda?
3: Technic. Okay, so I was trying to. So in the south, we don't say soda either. We say I, Coke. But oh yeah, I didn't want. Right. I didn't want to be like. What do you guys say up there? Pop. Pop. Oh.
0: Pop. Oh. Pop. I say soda. Oh, shut up. I lived
3: in my entire life, and I I say soda.
1: You're in, like, the western suburbs of Chicago. How
0: do you say Me and
2: Dave live, like, in a black hole.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was was trying to be like, what do they say up there? Uh, Okay, so the best Coke of all is Cherry Coke Zero, and all sodas that have cherry flavoring in them are superior to those that don't.
0: I would take a Cherry Pepsi Max probably over Cherry Coke Zero, but guys I yes. do
3: like Cherry Pepsi Max. is good, too. But, like, Dr. Pepper has got cherry flavoring, and it's mm-hmm. good. I just had Cherry 7-Up um, the other day. Much better than regular 7-Up. Um, yeah. You put cherry so the, in something, and apparently I'll like it. The
2: Cherry Vanilla
0: Coke Zero is awesome, too.
3: Oh, yeah. Yes. The weird and thing
0: is diet sodas with cherry are always superior to just regular diet sodas.
3: I think it's yeah. because the sh- like the sh- weird the sugar is too high in the other ones. Like, it's do you have that like sticky aftertaste, and you don't have that with the zeros or the diets. But no, either. no, no.
0: I mean, like, uh, oh, for like cherry Coke, cherry mm-hmm. Coke for cherry Coke zero. Yeah. yeah,
3: like I like cherry Coke, but cherry Coke zero is superior because it doesn't have that yep. sticky ish aftertaste. It's so there was an aluminum shortage during the pandemic, so they weren't shipping out certain Coke coke products That's and right.
1: i remember cherry them. coke
3: zero was one of them i was and pissed i was so like i'm going to die i don't understand i'm used to drinking one a day in like a bottle form and not like a two liter but like a regular little one and then they started shipping them in the little teeny cans like the cans that are like half the size of normal. yes
1: i had this exact same problem with just straight up coke zero i died yeah, exactly yeah coke zero was like, with the, the other shit? one I don't need eight ounces of this at a time, I need 12.
3: And they're like they're like more expensive than a 12 pack normal yeah. size. They're like six bucks, 6.30 or something. And I'm like, I can always get 12 packs for like three for five and I'm like, oh my God. I yeah, that.
1: I was outraged. I was outraged during the pandemic about <laughs> Coke products. <laughs> that was
2: bizarre though. I went to the grocery store and like the one thing I get is like Coke Zero or Coke Zero with a flavor in the pop aisle. And they're all out of Coke Zero. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Because, you know, they overstock regular Coke.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm going to go back to the original take, though. Like uh, most I feel like most cherry flavors in general, like sh- like. All right. Like if you have like cherry pie, that's good. Like if you have actual cherries. But I feel like most cherry flavored things are trash
3: but not sodas. <laughs> not um, I'm 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 putting your I just had a cherry um popsicle and it was delicious.
2: Yeah, I'm with so, you. The cherry stuff kicks ass for me.
1: I just yep. I don't know. I don't I you know, I, maybe popsicles are the exception. I I think cherry pop but I don't know, anything with like, like cherry jolly ranchers like get that shit out of here. That's right? like the best one. No, it's uh, not. Yeah. Don't watermelon or go home.
3: No, no cherry.
1: cherry. Oh.
3: We're Ugh. like the Cherry fans over here. Dave's like, down with Cherry.
0: <laughs> yeah, down with... I, down Starburst. With Look, name... Uh, Skittles. I mean, come on. Hockey I mean, I'm, 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 team, I'm team grape, so...
1: Uh, see, I See, I'd be more um, team grape. I mean, I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to rank my... Well, maybe this, we'll do this next week. We'll rank our fruit flavors of things. <laughs> but well, I'm the,
2: I'm the I'm weird gonna, guy who likes banana everything, but they don't make it for enough stuff. No, I'm on that. I'm on
0: that. I'm in that club too.
2: Yeah, it's like there's barely anything, so you got to be selective, like uh, like laffy taffy or whatever.
0: Look, the answer banana is strawberries. Milk. Okay, it's strawberry. Very good, strawberry.
2: No,
3: you should get a bunch of um, like get a Japan. Let me say words here. Uh, Japan-, <laughs> Japan crate because they put lots of banana flavored stuff in those. My friend, yeah, no,
2: I like fruit candy more, like because I I can only eat so much chocolate. I get like a stomachache. And, uh, but I can eat like sour or sweet, like fruit candies like that all the time. It's bad.
3: I'm still, uh,
1: yeah, I just, uh, cherry sodas.
2: Oh.
3: I don't know. I, uh, we had our, uh, Instacart guy came today and he asked my nephew, he was like, how many people live in this house? Cause you get so much soda. Because <laughs> he, he's like, he gets us regularly and it was like, there's three people that live here right now. So it's not that many people, but I was like trying to find a soda that could, like take the place of cherry coke zero for a while. It was hard. I was roti- rotating between like root beer and Sunkissed and some other ones. Doctor Pepper. I doctor Doctor Pepper zero is delicious. By the way, I don't know if anybody had it ever. It's even better than diet, and I like diet Doctor Pepper. Um, but then today the guy messaged me and was like oh, hey, so I see the big cans are in stock of Cherry Coke Zero. Do you want them? And I go, <laughs> I was like, how many are there? And I was like, just what do you buy think all is like a crazy them? amount? I, He <laughs> bought me six. I, I enjoy me. that
1: you have that good of a relationship with your Instacart person that they are texting you, hey, yo, they he's, got, he's they got text, the goods. He's, he's they got in the, the chat. goods. How much you want? He's
2: oh. in the chat. I don't know if any of you guys buy, like, seltzers. like Not, like, alcoholic ones, but just, like, bubbly or whatever but i drink the cherry one a lot when i buy it that's so that's like another thing
1: i don't i don't like dr pepper at all i i've never i've never gotten dr pepper that or never i don't i don't get that one
0: you haven't lived in texas
1: you are correct sir
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, is that, I is that all they have in Texas?
1: I've been to Texas. I don't know. It's, it's
0: way bigger. It's way bigger in Texas. I'd say, like, probably Texas well, is number one soda. Well, they
1: say everything's bigger in Texas, Shepard. So
2: damn. The is Daroff must be huge when they play the stars. <laughs> um, you know what? Uh, Pepsi Blue just came back, though, for the first time since 2004. I, and that's like the first pop of sugar I bought in like years. It was awesome.
3: Um pepsi is not a thing you drink in georgia it's yeah but pepsi
2: blue doesn't have a coke equivalent
3: it doesn't matter if you go to a place and you go i want a coke and then they go will pepsi be okay they'll be like i'll take a water instead (laughs) sometimes like i if it's not if it's not um pepsi cherry no people are not gonna That's i don't want it either
2: but Pepsi, Pepsi Blue, Blue is Blue. so good, though.
3: I don't think I've actually ever had Pepsi Blue.
2: It's like it has a like a Coke Pepsi, like the cola aftertaste, but the berry before it. So it doesn't taste like too sweet. I don't know. It's awesome. I'll, I'll
3: see if good. they have it down here. I'll try it. I don't,
1: I don't know. Just Pepsi Blue just sounds. Uh, I, I've seen it, and I'm just like I, that. Just that looks like just a bet It looks like just pure sugar. Well, I mean it is, but like you gotta oh, have you gotta enjoy yourself once pop- in a while. <laughs> I I don't. I'd like something anything that that is that sugar like i just can't just, i didn't drink i just can't thing. anymore
2: they sell it in bottles so like i just i drank like half of it <laughs> can
1: i get like then, a shot glass? maybe it's a good mixer maybe that's
2: oh no the sugar the more sugar
1: the worse it is okay well uh, see this is why i just drink beer i don't have to mix stuff then it's much more simple. i just crack respect. the can and down the hatch yeah i'm with you on that it's also well, why i'm out of shape <laughs> same uh, well, I think we've officially uh, gone uh, far enough off the rails that I can bring this all together for a nice train wreck ending. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of Musings on Madison. Um, stay tuned to SecondCityHockey.com. We're, we're doing all our season recap stuff for the next little while, so we'll have uh, more podcasts every week. We'll have more uh, more articles coming up. Uh, hopefully every day, if not at, at least every other day. Um, we still got plenty of stuff to write about, plenty of stuff to talk about and plenty of stuff to analyze going forward, including the expansion draft, um, whatever the hell, however the hell LTIR works, uh, the expansion draft, the end, the actual draft, free agency, yada, yada, yada. So uh, keep coming on back. We'll have plenty of stuff for you to read and have uh, on down to the comments where there's always something entertaining happening. Um, so thanks again for listening and for Mill, for Shepard, for Betsy, I'm Dave and... As always, go Hawks.